koan deals with one of the fundamental teachings of Mahayana Buddhism, uh, and that is the non-dual dharma. And um, this particular lineage, the lineage of Yangshan and, and uh, Guishan, seem to have spent a lot of time teaching non-dual dharma. If you look at the dozen or so koans, maybe 15 of them, 20 of them, uh, translated into English, that are koans from Yangshan, Guishan, Iron Grindstone Lu, or Gyozan, you'll find that those, that teacher and those successors inevitably have koans that ask the questions about the non-dual dharma. I think I did one last week. Uh, Gyozan's person up a tree. If you answer, hanging on by their teeth. If you answer the person under the tree, you fall to your death. If you don't answer, you fail the questioner. Kind of a double bind. You may remember Iron um, Grindstone Lu, who comes back to visit her teacher Guishan. And she, she tra tries to trap him. She says, uh, there's a festival happening at some place that's hundreds of miles away. Tomorrow, are you going? Going, not going. Um, and then Guishan responds. You have Guishan himself, who one of his koans that we deal in several collections, makes the statement that many years from now I will be reborn as a water buffalo in the front gate, in the front house of this monastery. And on the side of that buffalo will be written the words, Monk Isan such and such. If you call it Monk Isan, then it's a buffalo. If you call it a buffalo, it's Monk Isan such and such. What will you call it? Now you don't find this kind of emphasis prior to the emergence of Mahayana Buddhism. Uh, right off in the Prajnaparamita Sutra is where the non-dual nature of form and emptiness begins to emerge. Prior to that time, the emphasis was on emptiness, on enlightenment, but the Mahayana teaching, and particularly Zen, the Buddha way is beyond those dualities, beyond existence and non-existence, being and non-being, affirmation and negation. And when you look at our life, just our everyday life, if you were to keep a record of the times you encounter straight on dualistic contradictions, you'd have an incredible list. 
every day, almost every encounter is about these dilemmas, these double binds that we struggle with. Just think about the things that you're struggling with. You don't have to dig very far and you'll find that at the root of it is this and that, self and other, good and bad, yes and no, right and wrong, enlightenment delusion, success and failure, life and death. That's what we boil it down to. You know, when we say, uh, you know, I come here realizing the question of life and death is a vital matter. Life and death is kind of symbolic for all the dualities. Cause and effect, life and death. And even further, look at many of the koans that don't seem to be dealing with dualities, that that's what's hidden in them, that's what's under it. So how do we deal with that? Well, it's obviously a very difficult point to deal with, else there wouldn't be so many koans. Probably a third of all, however many koans there are, 1,700 or whatever they say, at least a third of them deal with the dualities. And many times the, you know, the, the, the problem is just created by the teacher, as in this case. Now this Guiyang school was uh, one of the five schools of Zen, uh, and a very famous one. And the founders of the school were Guishan and Yangshan. So Yangshan and Guishan were very close of the three successors that were prominent of Guishan's, Yangshan was the closest. And together they, they are considered the co-founders. I don't think they found a school. It's just that a lineage began to evolve that took on prominence along with four other lineages and they became to be called the five schools of Zen. And in fact, if you remove the names from some of the koans, you wouldn't know who the teacher and the students were when dialogues happened between Yangshan and Guishan. They're held up as models of perfect merging of teacher and student. And so when Yangshan went off on his own to teach, and become the abbot of this monastery at Dongping. Guishen arrived one day, his teacher arrived one day carrying a letter and a mirror, gave it to him. And then during his talk in the Dharma hall, Yangshan had the Jisha bring, bring him the letter. 
And he opened it and held up the mirror and said to the assembly, Guishan has brought a mirror. Tell me, is this Guishan's mirror or Yangshan's mirror? So he immediately creates the problem. If you say it's Yangshan, I say Guishan brought it. If you say it's Guishan's, I say it's in Yangshan's hand. And then it creates a, another one on top of it. If you can say a word, I'll keep it. If you can't, I'll destroy it. Now the mirror has kind of uh, an importance too. It was a relatively new thing, a mirror. Of course, it wasn't our mirror that's coated on one side with silver, a piece of glass co coated with silver. It was highly polished copper or some other metal, maybe. And I'm sure it attracted attention. It's not something that everybody had seen, so holding up this mirror. And of course, the mirror has a particular significance also in Buddhism, as you know from the various koans I've done already on the mirror, the ancient mirror. Dogen has about four or five of them uh, in his Shogogenzo and in this koan collection. In the middle of our Ango chart is the character for mirror. And of course, the characteristic of mirror is that it reflects what's in front of it doesn't superimpose anything on it, it just reflects it back.